Okay, welcome back. And Stevie D, it is a distinct honor and privilege to have one of the nation's most recognizable sports voices on our show today. So this is going to be our first interview, and I'm so glad we were able to get him. He's the former anchor for CNN Headline Sports, and now he has a sports talk show in the Atlanta market. It's Dwayne Walker. Dwayne. Hey, fellas. How you doing, man? Steve. Vince, how you guys doing? We're doing excellent. Thanks for, thanks for joining today. Yeah, thank you. Hey, man. Dwayne. It's, a, it's you. an honor to be on you guys. I really appreciate it. So, Dwayne, let me start by saying when you look at sports, you look at the coaching trees, right? You have the Bill Parcells coaching tree. You, you have the Tom Landry coaching tree, the Tony Dungy or Chuck Noll coaching trees. From a coaching tree or from a media tree, I am a descendant of the Dwayne Walker media tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious, man. That, that's, a, that's very kind of you to say, man. Well, Vince, you've been a... Uh, you've been at this for uh, for quite some time, Vince. You and I, we go way back. And to be quite honest with you, man, the way technology has changed, I'm just glad that you've been able to roll with the technology. And um, the podcast that both you and Steve are doing right now, I think that's tremendous, man. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. So, Dwayne, talk talk to us. And, and what have you been up to these days? Honestly, the last that I remember was the CNN Dwayne Walker CNN headlines for. <laughs> Well, listen, man, that, that was prior to having uh, kids and, and being married. But listen, if, do you guys really want to know what I'm doing now, for real? Absolutely. For, for I, real? Okay. All right. Well, I'm in Southwest DeKalb High School, actually, uh, here watching a girls' scrimmage between Southwest DeKalb and the defending Class A private champion down here, the Wesleyan Wolves. Now, my daughter's high school actually plays against Wesleyan the last game of the regular season upcoming year, so we're kind of like doing some scouting. I mean, then tomorrow, my daughter, Christina, her team plays in an exhibition of their own up in Cobb County against Walker, so I'll check up there tomorrow to do that. Um, and I'll just make her game tomorrow at 6.30, um, I may just make it because tomorrow I'll actually be traveling to St. Louis, unfortunately, to take care of some uh, some business. So it, it's pretty busy. Uh, that's Thursday. Then Friday it'll be a prep day. And then coming up on Saturday I'll have an opportunity to do some play-by-play for some high school basketball that's going on down here in the Atlanta area. It's called the Southwest DeKalb Showdown. So that'll take place on uh on saturday they got a triple header going on there so i'll do play-by-play for those games and uh, i almost forgot to mention that uh after seeing my daughter's game on thursday i'll you know after her game i'll prepare for my own show which is called sports rap with dwayne walker that comes on it'll be on immediately after thursday night football and so to, to, so to say the least it'll be a busy weekend for me coming up so, Dwayne, uh, now that you, you mentioned some of the uh, professional stuff that you're doing, do you have any plugs and anything that our listeners can come and, and kind of listen to you? Sure, absolutely. Now, if you were to tune into our radio station, it's 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, Georgia, and we carry such sports properties as the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Hawks, our NBA basketball team. Uh, we also carry our soccer team here, the Atlanta United FC, as well as Georgia State football. So, uh, we have our hands in, in, you know, a lot of different, uh, sports down here. But you can catch me on our website, uh, radio.com. There's an app that you can tune into 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, 
I'm on typically uh, Wednesday and Thursday nights, late night from 11 to 2. And those are the times that you can pretty much catch me on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta. I know that you have strong roots to the University of Buffalo. Former player. Absolutely. Former player. So you got to love what's going on at the University of Buffalo. Basketball team making it to the tournament, knocking off Arizona last year. They're, they're oh, yeah, that was sweet. Take that, DeAndre Yates. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're preseason ranked number one. They had a victory yesterday. And then then you got the football team. Are you kidding me? The UB oh, Bulls it's, it's, football team, 9-1? and one? It's an exciting time uh, going on right now at the University of, of Buffalo. I mean, what Nate Oates did at last year's uh, um, NCAA basketball tournament was, I mean, it was it was tremendous. And then, of course, you can't even forget Coach Jack on the women's side because our girls, actually, our women actually went to uh, uh, the Sweet 16 last year, which was which was quite an accomplishment uh, for the University of Buffalo. And to see what our football team is doing right now in the MAC. I mean, at uh, at um, nine and one, Lance Lightfoot, he's got those guys playing just tremendous football right now. Uh, coming off a big win at Kent State on Tuesday night, and I got to ask you guys, what's up with this Tuesday night games? What's what's up with that? I can't stand it. Oh. Well, listen, let me just say this: you guys might not can't stand it. I told you guys I like being a little bit different. I don't mind it, and here's the reason why: if it's my school that's playing on a Tuesday night, like we have. A couple of Tuesday nights already this season. I mean, I watched a game a couple of weeks ago where my University of Buffalo Bulls were playing against Miami of Ohio. And what's nice about it is on a Tuesday night, I mean, you got all eyeballs on you, right? If you want to see college football on a Tuesday night, I mean, for the most part, the University of Buffalo, you've got the stage. You follow what I'm saying? So from that vantage point, I mean, I, I see where it's a tremendous uh it's a tremendous benefit to the university to kind of stand alone, even if it's an awkward night. But, Dwayne, you're messing with the have and have nots. <laughs> yeah, but, hey, but so what? Listen, listen, man, we wait, listen, we waited a long time to get some national shine. Back when I played, I played so long ago, we were Division Three at the time. I played Division Three when the, I played for the UB Bulls, um, played football and basketball there, but that was certainly a long time ago. But we've waited a long time for this national uh, recognition, so to speak, that we get. And you can see the quality, the quality of athletes that's now attending the University of Buffalo, which makes us competitive on a national level. And uh, with the connection of Jackson and Johnson going on right now with our quarterback and uh, the standout wide receiver, uh, it, it's definitely giving you know Buffalo a nice little shine, and of course Mr. Mack doing his thing yep. in uh, Chicago with that Chicago Bears defense. Of course he missed this last game, but uh, you get what I'm saying. Uh, he's just been uh, those guys are, have really bolstered the identity of uh, the University of Buffalo program. You know, Dwayne, if, if you trace it back though, I, I'll tell you where where UB started to make the change. And, and for those, when I say UB University of Buffalo, they made the change when they hired Nelson Townsend as the athletic director. When they brought in Nelson right. Townsend, they they brought in somebody that had the idea, the identity for Division One. And and as you mentioned, University of Buffalo, they were they were D three. They played second fiddle to Canisius and to uh, Buff State, and you know they nobody wanted to go to UB. Well, when Nelson Townsend came in uh, to the to the University of Buffalo program way back 
man, it's got to be going on twenty something years now, twenty five years maybe, maybe, maybe longer than. Let me just let me just think about this. Nineteen eighty six. Man, that's like over thirty years ago. Nelson Townsend came from Florida A and M, where he was a, a athletic director, and then he had some time in at Delaware State. And Lord rest his soul, he passed away a few years back. Yeah. But what he did was he gave the University of Buffalo a vision. And actually, that guy, Nelson Townsend, uh, gave me one of my first breaks in this business, in the broadcast business, because back in Buffalo, uh, when the University of Buffalo played against Buffalo State, it was a big game. Like, it would be packed out at Alumni Arena. And that was actually a game that I that I actually crewed, meaning uh, I wanted to do play-by-play, so – what I would do is I would broadcast games, get together a crew, and actually broadcast high school football games around there in basketball. It's called the Yale Cup Game of the Week and the Harvard Cup Game of the Week. But then when I was ready to step up to the big time, so to speak, he gave me my first break and allowed me to do the University of Buffalo versus uh, Buffalo State on television. So that was a tremendous opportunity for myself. And then through the years, I mean, through his leadership – and they've had a couple of different, uh, you know, ADs since then. Danny White comes to mind, who was there a few years ago. And I had a chance to follow the program when they played in our first bowl in such a long time. We played in that, I believe it was called the International Bowl in Toronto. So I made the trek up there to Toronto. This is going back, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. And uh, that just gave me a tremendous amount of pride going up there to see those guys. Maybe been longer than that, maybe going on eight or nine years. But the program has made such strides since then. So you're talking about uh, an international bowl appearance in Toronto going back eight or nine years. And then the last bowl appearance before that came like in 1958 when Willie Evans, I don't, I don't know if you remember Willie Evans, but he was the former athletic director for the uh, Buffalo Public School System. Well, he was a prominent running back for the Buffalo, uh, for the UB Bulls, and they were invited to, I believe, the Tangerine Bowl. And because it was so segregated down in Florida at the time when the game was going to be played, um, the team decided not to play because they would not let him stay in the same hotel as the rest of the team because of the color of his skin. So to think how far the program has come from a historical standpoint to where it is now, it just gives alumni like myself, you know, uh, uh, you know, just so much joy. But Nelson Townsend, you best believe, played a very significant role in that transition, even though uh, it started 32 years ago. Absolutely. And then as you bring it forward, you mentioned some, you know, you mentioned Khalil Mack. And I think more than, than anybody else, because they, they've had great coaches. You, you had Turner Gill that was there, and certainly that mm-hmm. was part of, part of the rebuilding process. But the just the simple fact of having Khalil Mack, you know, a number five pick in the first round uh, of the NFL, being able to wear a UB Bulls jersey or wear yeah. a sweatshirt. You know, giving it that identity throughout the nation has certainly gone a long way in the recruiting process. And you can you've watched the maturation of this team. I mean, they are a solid team. They they you know they're playing in the MAC, which you know there there's a difference between some of the top five conferences. But still, you you look at up and down that that roster, they have legitimate talent on that roster, and it's being proven out with a nine and one record. Yeah, no question about that. And uh, 
No, I, I would say honestly, a, a goal like it would do me just wonders, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. But man, if if I could just see the University of Buffalo crack the top 25, and I know I'm dreaming, I know, I know, I know, but if they ever crack just the top 25, just for one day, man, I think I'd probably faint. <laughs> Dwayne, they 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 got votes. They got votes. I think I saw they had 23 votes or or 25 votes. So they're close. Wow, wow, they're close. That, that, that's great. That, that, that's great. And uh, so, yeah, man, college football, man, is really in a good place right now, in my opinion. It is. And so, it, you know, as we look move away from the University of Buffalo, uh, the latest football playoff poll has come out, or, or the rankings have come out, and you have mm-hmm. Alabama sitting number one, Clemson two, then Notre Dame and Michigan. What's your, what's your thoughts on the top four? Um, my thoughts on the top top four, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I I feel as though they got it right and, uh, with, with one real question mark. And I mean, Alabama, obviously they're coming off of, you know, a blanking of LSU. They zipped the, uh, the Tigers 29 nothing. And, uh, that was very, very impressive. They've, they've got tools at all the positions, um, tool at quarterback, obviously, the running back combo of, uh, Damon and Najee Harris. Those guys get it done. And that receiving core is outstanding as well. Uh, Jerry Judy, these are slick wide receivers. You've got Irv Smith Jr. and a couple of other guys that are, uh, are you know, pitching in. Jalen Waddle, just to, just to add another name for you. But, uh, they just look, they look tremendous right now and they, and they look unstoppable. Although there is a team, in my opinion, who can stop them, who can uh, deal with them and keep up with them. But unfortunately, right now, they are not in the top four. But I'll get to them a little later. Number two, Clemson, um, I think they're spot on with that. They're unblemished right now. They're coming off a lamp basting of Louisville. Of course, Louisville is in a down year right now, but, hey, you can't control who you play. You just go out and play them. And, uh, man, you've got to commend Dabo Swinney on, on what, what he's done, especially, you know, early in the year when he made the decision yep. in, in game three to switch quarterbacks from Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence. I thought that took Kihonis. Uh, uh, I thought that took a lot to do. And uh, especially when a time when the defense is kind of inconsistent. But if you can recall, going into that game for Clemson, that fourth game of the year, they were going to play against Syracuse. And, of course, you know what uh, Syracuse did to uh, Clemson last year. They provided an upset and put a little hiccup in Clemson's plans. So I think this was kind of a get-back game for Dabble, and he wanted to go in there uh, with all guns blazing against Syracuse, and although Syracuse had those guys on the ropes uh, for a time, uh, Clemson was able to come back and, and win that game, but I think their their number two standing in the in the latest rankings is obviously well-deserved. I think they're the type of program at Clemson who deserves that sort of, uh, that ultimate respect. Guys, think about this, Steve and Vince. The Clemson Tigers, they faced the University of Alabama, the last three playoffs, they, they faced Alabama in the last three playoffs. So, I mean, although they're one and two in those games, that's still a tremendous record. You know what I'm saying? So they um, they get some, some cachet points, some style points for that. Number three, Notre Dame. Guys, that's a team that I feel can – uh, I mean, to me, <laughs> this is just me now. This is just me now. This is just me now. Now, Notre Dame, I get it. They're undefeated, nine and zero. But here's the thing: I don't know if I'm completely bought into what 
Coach Kelly, those guys have going on there. It's not, it's, and it's no disrespect, but we all know the deal. There's two teams that there's there's two teams in this race, in my opinion, who really control their own destiny and beyond. All right, everyone else's fortunes in in the five in the five power conferences all depends on what Notre Dame does. If Notre if Notre Dame loses down the stretch here, that opens the door up for guys who are outside of top four, the Georgias, the Oklahomas, the uh, Washington States, and the West Virginians. I'm talking about teams who are just itching to get that one spot. You follow what I'm saying? Sure. So sure. It, would, it, it would not surprise me if Notre Dame underwent a hiccup down the stretch. But if they went all out, obviously since they're in the top three now, they would be one of the top four teams. But here again, I think Notre Dame is the type of team, because of the name Notre Dame, because of who they are, that they get extra points that maybe other programs would not. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, yeah, no question about that. Uh, number four, Michigan. I think that's, I think that's well deserved. You gotta give, you gotta give credit to the Michigan Wolverines for, you know, what they've, uh, uh, been able to accomplish with Coach Harbaugh. Uh, they lambasted Penn State and, you know, uh, that defense is playing well. They gave up only 186 yards and some change to, to Penn State in that win. And, and the only reason why they didn't blank Penn State is because they scored like a last, you know, touchdown in the last couple minutes. But, um, I'll, I'll give you this though. At 8 and 1, they got a couple of cupcakes coming up in Rutgers and Indiana. But where I think they're going to lose, I think Uh-oh. they're going to lose in the season finale against Ohio State. Oh, you went there. So, uh, yeah, I went there. Only reason why. Now listen. Now even though Ohio State sits at top ten, right? You know, uh, sits at tenth right now. I could possibly see a pathway for them if other teams lose because it's going to help their resume by winning the Big Ten championship, right? Would it not? Obviously, it would. But at the same time, we know all of the trouble and strife and drama that has gone on with the Ohio State Buckeyes program this year with the off the field scandal, et cetera. So I think that people kind of hold that against them, but at the same time, if they beat Michigan, I think there's a possibility of them of them uh, making it to that top four, but in order for that to happen, Notre Dame would have to lose uh, in my opinion. And uh, so, yeah, I think they've got the top four, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty well situated right now. And, and you know, let me just add this before, uh, before we move on. You know what's fascinating? What do all four teams have in common? Think about it. What do they all have in common as it relates to signal callers? Teams will come into the year where they've got a new starter from last year. I mean, think about it. With Tua taking over for Alabama, and then you got uh, and, and, and give credit to Nick Saban for making that switch. Uh, coming into the year after the championship game last year, making that move in the national championship game. You got Clemson, who we talked about earlier, where Dabble Sweeney makes the switch to Trevor Lawrence. And even Notre Dame. Think about what Notre Dame has done since, uh, Ian Book has taken over the starting reins, you know, earlier in the season. And then, of course, Michigan with, with Shea Patterson. So, I mean, you look at what these guys, um, uh, you know, are doing now and, and for these quarterbacks, I'm sorry, for these coaches, to really live by the moniker, hey, look, we're going to go with the best player, you know, the best quarterback that we have, the quarterback that gives us the best chance to win. I mean, for the most part, these teams do that unless you're UGA. 
who, for whatever reason, <laughs> never mind. That's a whole other story. <laughs> or Florida, or Florida State. Oh yeah, yeah. When I look at that top four, Alabama certainly ha- has gone through a. Especially you look at the last week game against LSU. They they have gone through the gauntlet. They they have had their cupcakes, but they've gone through the gauntlet. And they've played the tough games. They've had the tough teams. I look at Clemson, and, and to your point, you can only play who's on your schedule. But the ACC is in, in a down year. You know, they, their toughest yeah, test. Yeah, no question. The, the toughest test was Syracuse. So. I, I still feel as though Clemson is well deserved to be in the top four. I just right. don't. I don't think that at the end of the day that they are strong enough to to take on Alabama. It, it's like Alabama and everybody else. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on that as far as Alabama and anybody, as far as a team that can take on Alabama. And I would agree with you. I mean, I mean, I don't see Clemson beating Alabama. The team who I feel as though could deal with Alabama is the team that has dealt with them uh, in a previous SEC championship game in which they let slip away, in a national championship game in which they let slip away, and that's the University of Georgia. University of Georgia, if you ask me, uh, is one of the most talented teams in the entire country from top to bottom, second to the University of Alabama. Think about it. In last year's championship game, did the University of Georgia, did they have Alabama on the ropes in that first half? Did they not, uh, did they not do their best Atlanta Falcons invitation against the New England <laughs> Patriots and give up a double digit 20 something odd point lead? Did they not? Uh, absolutely. Yes. So what I'm saying is, if there is a team that can deal with Alabama, in my opinion, it's going to be the University of Georgia. And, yes, I know a couple of weeks ago they got handled by LSU. Uh, I think that was more an anomaly than anything else. Number one, they're, they're, they're number 1A slash 1B running back in DeAndre Swift was not 100% healthy. And we also saw Coach Kirby Smart fail, fail to make the move of getting up Justin Fields, the phenomenal uh, prospect at the University of Georgia, the phenom freshman, never really gave him an opportunity to get in the game and actually throw the, uh, throw the football. Now, he's actually coming to the game, the LSU game. He played maybe four or five plays. But on all five of those plays, he was running the football and more or less using the decoy. But I also feel that, in Kirby Smart not playing Justin Fields and not wanting to create a quote-unquote quarterback controversy, I think what Kirby Smart is doing is limiting the opportunities that uh, Justin Fields has just in case they get in a similar situation like the Bulldogs were in last year in the national championship game against Alabama where if Jake from struggles in the SEC championship game, all right, and obviously that's going to be a ticket, a pathway to the national championship. I don't think he will hesitate to make that switch over to Justin Fields. Now, if he does that, guess what? That's the big unknown for not only the University of Alabama, but the rest of college football, whoever the final four teams might be, because what tape do you have on Justin Fields from a, from a passing perspective? And, guys, I assure you he can pass the football with the best of them. It just has not been on display for the world to see. But, Dwayne, you know, when, when we look from the outside, 
You know, you, you see that and you, you see the, the potential and the possibility. But, you know, when I look at Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart got his opportunity. He's a former, what, defensive coordinator with the University of Alabama? You know, Absolutely. We, we, we talk about those coaching trees, right? And when he goes up against his mentor, right, the, the guy that he learned everything from in Saban. Who's I, your I, daddy? <laughs> there you go. That That's it. That's it. It's not I don't like think that – I don't think – I don't think Daddy's lost to any of his uh, any anybody below his tree, has he? He has not. It, it, you know, so if Mark Rick was still there, who I was a big Mark Rick fan there at UGA, uh, th- then I may give a little bit more credence to that. I just don't think that Kirby Smart can take down Alabama. I, I just don't see it happening. Well, they were within a half of doing it, you know, back in uh, back in January. So uh, to me, that would give me some sort of hope that you can at least run with those boys. Now, hold on, hold on, you know, hold on, hold on. Alabama was run. Alabama was running out number two under court under center. Yeah, they were running out number two under center. Really, you should have been the starting quarterback. To be perfectly honest with you, but uh, to uh, to coach uh, Saban's credit, man, he let things play out. gave um, gave uh, Jalen Hurt every opportunity to be successful, and then the, on the biggest stage, unfortunately, he just wasn't able to get it done. Um, but here's the thing, man. You know, as it relates to all these quarterback, I'm not going to call them controversies, but where a coach has to make a decision, you have to realize these guys make millions of dollars a year. I'm talking about these these coaches. And that's their livelihood, man. They're going to put the best guy in who they feel that's going to give them the best opportunity to win when the chips are really on the line. And to me, uh, you know, Kirby Smart gets some slack from the standpoint. Check it out. Okay, you're going down that road. You're losing the LSU. But at the end of the day, is it a big loss? I mean, come on, because you're talking about the SEC East standings, and it all came down to whether or not you could beat Florida and Kentucky. And those were two, you know, winnable games, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I know Kentucky, they're having a fantastic year. But right. let's get real, man. It's all about it's all about athletes. The team that has the better athletes, the best athletes, 90% of the time, I mean, that's the cream of the crop. Those are the teams that are going to be there in the end, at the end of the day. And uh, like I said, I, I feel as though Georgia is one of the most talented teams in the country, certainly in the top three. And, you know, the Bulldogs losing to LSU, the only thing that it prevented them from having was a perfect season. But I don't think the SEC East crown was ever in doubt, which would be a pathway to the uh, SEC championship game, which is obviously a pathway to uh, uh, the, the four top teams. So uh, I, I think uh, I think there's a little strategy behind what went on in that particular game. So, all right, just humor me here. Georgia plays Alabama for the SEC championship. Right. Georgia wins the SEC championship. Right. Where where does Alabama go? Three. Number four. four. They go to four? They'll be number four. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you have to potentially beat them again? Well, well, what if Oklahoma wins out? What if Oklahoma wins out? Well, number one, they got to get past uh, Oklahoma State first and foremost. So uh, let's not just say that they're just gonna gonna win out. But even if they do win out, <clears throat> okay. So a one-loss Oklahoma team is not going to jump over a one-loss Alabama team, even even 
coming out of the Big Twelve. Doesn't so, matter. So, but because okay. right, because right. Go ahead. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking. So if if all the teams that are in your top six run the table, except for Alabama, who gets beat in the SEC championship game, that that has to put Georgia into the top four. Notre Dame would have run the table. Michigan w- runs the table. Now you have Alabama. Well, we're we're just saying in, in my fairy tale world. <laughs> okay, go my, ahead. All right, go ahead. In my fairy tale world. Oh, now, okay, go ahead. Now I'm with Alabama with a week 13 loss, right? They they lose in the yep. SEC championship. Do they fall to four? Do they fall to five? And if Oklahoma runs the table, does Oklahoma move up into you know potentially that top five or 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 top four? Yeah, but Vince, with, with that statement though, Vince, with that statement, right? So. You're saying if Bama loses to Georgia in an SEC championship game, Georgia is already ranked five. So one loses to five. Who does Oklahoma beat Clemson. in their ranking? Okay, so Clemson or Oklahoma goes to five. Does Alabama go to six? No, 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 no. I, I think you're pushing Alabama down too far. Because let's, let's say Clemson moves, Clemson moves up to number one. I don't okay. think even if Georgia – even if Georgia – even if Georgia – beat Alabama, I don't think that they would switch places. I still think Clemson would move up to number one. Alabama would move to number uh, – Alabama would lose uh, – I'm sorry, would move to number four. Um, um, uh, Georgia would be number – who do I say? Who did I say? I said Clemson moves up one. Alabama jumps to number four. And depending on what happens, let's just say – I see Georgia at number three, Alabama at number four. So that's one, two, three, four. Clemson, Notre Dame, or Michigan. I'll go with your theory of Michigan winning. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Alabama, and guess, and guess who gets pushed to the outside? It would be a one-loss team. Yeah, so well, Notre no, Dame, no, no. no Right, so Notre Dame would be Notre an undefeated Notre Dame would be in the playoff. Right? I think that Alabama with their one loss would still make it. So I guess what I'm saying is a one loss Alabama game is gonna Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No no question about that. Because I don't see Michigan they're not gonna leapfrog Georgia, who would have beaten Alabama, all right, and a one-loss Alabama uh, Michigan team ain't gonna jump. Uh, a one-loss Alabama team is not gonna be jumped by Michigan. You, no. you know, you know what you're doing here, Dwayne. You, you're calling for the NCAA to expand beyond four and go to eight teams now for the playoffs. Yes, they might even go six, then eight. But come on, man. Listen, if we're if we're giving it the eye test, the nose test, the whatever test you want to call it, if the season were to end right now or any point between now and the actual national, uh, the, national the, the, the top four, we all know that Alabama is one of the top four teams in the country. And that's regardless if they lose in the, in the um, SEC championship game or not. See, what people are hoping for, and I'm sure what the college football committee is hoping for, they're hoping for Alabama to win and Notre Dame to win. Yes. So that, so that everything will work out smoothly. You got Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then number four would be either Oklahoma. If 
Georgia lost, they'd obviously fall back. Uh, Oklahoma, if they won, they'd slide up. If Michigan were to beat Ohio State, they would stay where they are. So if all things play out, everybody would stay the same. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. But I assure you guys, based on the first you know, a few years of this college football playoff. That ain't going to happen. There will be an upset somewhere down the line. One of the top four teams are going to lose. History has shown that. And it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be, you know, however it goes down. But I don't see the rating, the ranking staying as is right now. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. I don't see that happening the whole way through. So, Dwayne, I, I know you had a chance to watch – uh, the Harlem Globetrotters of 2018, known as the Duke Blue Devils. <laughs> you know, actually, actually, I did, man. Uh, last night was kind of a weird night for, you know, sports. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you had, uh, um, you had my University of Buffalo Bulls were playing. You had, uh, Kansas playing the first, uh, the, the first part of the doubleheader. You had uh, – there's a series I'm following on uh, ESPN called uh, Love and Basketball. You've heard about the Love uh, Love Basketball, the little storyline yes. they have? Like, yes. So I've been, um, I've been into that and watching those. But uh, that I didn't, Duke, I didn't hear you know, mention the Tar Heels playing yesterday. Who? The Tar Heels. No, you know what? I actually but, – but that but you didn't let me get to them. I actually watched <laughs> their game too. They played against the war, the war, they played against the Wofford Terriers, and the Terriers actually led that game briefly in the first half after hitting a couple of consecutive trades. But no, I did get an opportunity to see them. I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, basketball games that were on last night, so I paroused through there. But what I'm saying, man, uh, the one thing that was must-see TV was that Duke-Kentucky game. And, uh, it sure was. Yeah, man, I caught it. Yeah. Yeah, very, I, very impressive. I have to come right out and say this. I do not like, not that I feel jilted that Zion Williamson said that he was going to go to University of North Carolina. And then you don't like to, Duke. Well, and then he ended up going to Duke. It, so, yes, I feel jilted and I'm a, I'm a little jaded and there's some shade here. But still, yeah. what they have going on there I, in Durham, North Carolina, it is absolutely ridiculous. It is ridiculous. They have thrown, and I blame LeBron. I, I'm, follow me, follow me. How I get here? They have three of the top what seventeen. They have one, two, and four of the top one hundred kids coming into this year for NCAA. You mean they have? No, no. This team is loaded, absolutely loaded. And when, when these guys are going to AAU and, and uh, under-18 Team USA, these guys are talking, texting, and you know they all said, we got to play together. This team is uh, loaded. You're going, there. you're going there with it. This uh. team is loaded. And what they did well, yesterday, in college basketball, you don't put up 100 points. Maybe if you're playing like this D2 team, right, you, you may see somebody throw up 100 points. But last night they had a hundred with eight minutes to go in a game against Kentucky. Again, a blue yeah, blood. yeah, yeah. And the Kentucky Wildcats came into the game as uh, number two ranked, and also with the number two ranked recruiting class coming into this year for Coach Calipari. But you know, at halftime, I believe they had scored even fifty nine points at half and finished with one eighteen. So fifty nine in the first half, fifty nine in the second half. So you talk about uh, you talk about balance. 
But I've got to come clean before I even comment about the Duke Blue Devils program. Now, I'm from upstate New York. I'm from Buffalo, New York. I'm, I'm a Big East guy from the back in the day, okay? And um, Big East versus ACC, I always preferred Big East, even though ACC may have played a little better brand of basketball and got maybe the high profile, uh, you know, got, got all the love. However, back in the day, I absolutely positively despised Duke. I despised the Duke program. I despised Coach K. I despised Christian Leitner, who I played against in high school. Uh, he went to Nichols, and I'll never forget, he started this big brawl at Buffalo Memorial Auditorium uh, against the South Park Sparks. I'll never, I'll never forget that. So he was a bully in high school. He got, he was used to elbow. He was a dirty player in high school, but everybody loved Christian Leitner. But hey, anyway. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, Dwayne, one, one yeah. second. You remember when he broke the the scoring record? Yeah. Just real quick. So Leitner, there's like five seconds to go in the game. Leitner's a point from the 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 all time <laughs> scoring record. Makes like this layup with five seconds to go. The inbounds is. Let me hand it to you, Christian, right underneath the basket, Aww. so you can do like a little bunny layup. Oh my! No. Oh yeah. That's how oh yeah. Record, oh yeah. That that's how he broke the record. Aww. He never would have yeah. broke the record. Oh. So listen, not a so so I wasn't a Christian Leitner fan, wasn't a Duke fan at all. But let me tell you what time, age, maturity, oh, don't say knowledge, no. No, don't say it. education. No, I, I I gotta say it. All right, so I have a daughter who plays basketball that goes to the AAU circuit, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what schools, out of all the schools that we have visited, and we have visited a number of schools over the past year, even the past, over the past five months, my daughter, who's a junior in high school, looking at schools, she's visited Penn, Princeton, Columbia, San Diego, UCLA, Vanderbilt, uh, University of Buffalo, Howard, um, um, and Duke. Guess what school she wants to go to? Uh, University of South Florida. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. This chick who plays basketball says, Daddy, I want to go to Duke. And this is regardless of whether she plays basketball or not. She just wants to go there as a student. And uh, I got to admit, man, we've been on that campus three times this year. We were there Super Bowl Sunday earlier in February of this year. We went back in uh, June for an elite camp that she participated in, and then we went there again a few weeks, uh, a few months back, again on another visit there to campus. And uh, I got to say, man, it's one of the best campuses I've ever seen. The facilities are very, very nice. And and I even, listen, man, I'm going to lose my card, man, but I actually went to the Duke, Blue, uh, the Duke Devil Bookstore and bought a Duke sweatshirt. Well, that's going to wrap up this segment here with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, so I, say, so I say that to say, man, uh, I, I'm a converted Duke Blue Devil, man. I, I, I can dig what they do. I, I respect the program. And, you know, to get to your earlier question, what they have going on there at Duke right now is just absolutely tremendous. I've been telling people about Zion Williamson for, for years now. The guy is tre- – he's a tremendous athlete. He's a freak of nature. 
he's the type of guy that, to me, man, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the best, man. I, I think he's better than LeBron James is coming into the league, like where he is now, where LeBron James was coming into the league out of high school. You follow what I'm saying? I do. Uh, who, the guy, do so do you compare him? Cause, so I, I have him partially in a comparison to LeBron. Right, just cause right. he's got because he's got handles, right? But people he's don't got know. handles. Mm-hmm. He he can, he can jump. He he has the outside shot. So I I look at Zion. He's more complete like LeBron was. But I've heard people compare him to Barkley because he you know he plays on the block a lot and he's got that big frame and he can jump. Well, he can do it all, man. He can pass. He's what he, he's what these guys refer to as a positionless player where he can play on the wing, he can play on the box, he can bring the ball up. And what I love about the guy's game is, this is what I love about his game, he plays unselfishly. He plays within the rhythm of the offense, of the Duke, Blue, of the Duke offense, at least what I saw, you know, during the summer series when those guys played, uh, when those guys played uh, in the, where were they at, the Bahamas? Where were they playing? They were playing somewhere. But had an opportunity to see those guys play in the preseason, and I love his unselfishness. I think it's very apparent and clear, even though Zion Williamson had 28 last night against Kentucky in a huge win. I think that uh, R.J. Uh, uh, RJ Barrett doesn't want people to forget about him, and uh, I think he wants to be the – I think R.J. Barrett wants to be the alpha dog. He's like the scoring machine. He had 33 last night. But, um, but believe it or not, as good as those two guys are, I think the other – two freshmen are going to be the absolute key to the success of the Duke Blue Devil program this year. And I'm talking about Cam Reddish and uh, the freshman Trey Jones, who runs the point. Trey Jones, you know, his brother went to school there a few years back and now plays with the Minnesota Timberwolves. But he had seven dimes last night, no turnovers, and uh, just – in complete control of the basketball and the Duke Blue Devils, they play with such unselfishness. It's just a beautiful thing to do, a beautiful thing to witness. And they're just tremendously gifted. And, uh, I just don't see them losing. I mean, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't see them. I don't see them losing a game this season. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I don't, I don't often say that about a team. Like, I remember a few years back when Kentucky, we were loaded with, uh, Towns and, and all those other guys they had on the squad at that particular time. And everyone was predicting that there's no way they could be beat. I predicted that they would not go undefeated, which they did not. But this Duke team right here, I do not see them losing a game. No way, no how. Not with all that talent. No way. In as much as I'd love to see the Tar Heels beat them, uh, at least at the Dean Center, I, I, I do not see Duke getting beaten. I, I there's just no way. If one of the three guys, and, and of course you included Trey Jones, but if one of those three guys is down, you still got two studs out there. And yeah. Barrett Barrett was your number one. He's the number yeah, and, one player with Zion yeah. at two. And listen, Zion, and it's not even like he plays the whole game. We know sometimes some teams, they, you know, they leave their best player and he plays the whole game. These guys actually shuttle in and out. Like, so it's like, I mean, you see Zion Williams like subbing and sitting out, you know, you know, on multiple occasions in the first half and the second half. And it's just a beautiful thing to see, man. It's a beautiful thing to witness. And they are going to be, you know, they're must see TV. Like the, like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils are going to be must-see TV. We're going to get, like, the actual pros uh, going to these guys' games to check them out. The one the one thing I will say that what this shows 
is that Mike Shashevsky has He's a hypocrite. <laughs> he, yeah, well, yes, he is. But I was going to say that that he's come full circle now, right? Because Calipari, yeah. Calipari came full circle a couple of years ago, and what I'm talking about is the whole one and done, right? You had all these right. coaches that you know the blue blood type coaches that were like, no, we need our guys to stay at least three, and, and that's all that they supposedly recruited, and they they just absolutely lambasted the coaches that were you know all about the one and dones. And now you right. look at what he has over the last two years, it's nothing but one and duns coming out of Duke. Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds you in, in, in the college football game where, remember, Nick Saban used to be and moan about how uh, these teams were using the, you know, the read pass option and speeding the game up and, you know, no huddling and, 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 and fast paced offenses. But now you see how he has completely revamped his program from the standpoint of the quarterback position where, you know, you see the quarterbacks that they had, uh, you know, in, in the past would be guys who were, um, how shall I say, uh, you know, game managers, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Guys who just wouldn't turn the football over and he would rely on that defense to kind of run things. But now since, you know, two is in the mix, he's completely like flip that. Now you don't. Now you see those guys going fast pace and not huddling and picking up the pace and putting up points. Those cats are averaging like you know, coming into that LSU game, they're averaging like fifty four points a game. So they were like, I mean, they were boat racing people. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it. Listen, if you don't keep up with what's going on, uh, you'll get surpassed. The only guy in college football that is just being so stubborn that it actually works and, and a guy who actually watch you know, enjoys his style and watching the play are the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets because they may pass two times a game, literally. They may pass like like the over under on Georgia Tech passing the football in any given game is like two and a half. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like last game I think they had two passes. They were both complete passes. Uh Tobias Oliver is taking over at the quarterback position, but, uh, hell, Georgia Tech, they're five and four. And you know what? Georgia Tech could cause a big stake at the end of the season for, uh, Georgia. Cause, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, Georgia might not admit this, but they really don't want to see Georgia Tech. You know what I'm saying? Like, because that offense, man, when you know they're going to run the ball at you every play and you have to try to stop it and to know that teams, for the most part, can't stop it, that could be a pretty scary, uh, uh, a, a pretty alarming proposition to have, you know. Well, here, here's the crazy thing. Just think, Megatron was a Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket. Out of this wishbone run option type school, one of the best receivers we ever saw in the NFL came out of that school. You're like, what? <laughs> How does that happen? Yeah. It wasn't Demaris. Where's Demaris Thomas from? Was he, is he a Georgia Tech alone? He, he was. Yeah who recently got uh, traded away. But, yeah, man, um, listen, Georgia Tech, like, and you get these type of schools like, you know, like the Georgia Tech, they're more than just, you know, what you see on the field. They're not overloaded with a bunch of four- and five-star athletes. You mostly get, like, the threes. You know what I'm saying? You mostly get, you know, really, to be honest with you, like three-star uh, three star recruits, but these guys are very educated, very smart. And, I mean, that's, I mean, Georgia Tech, they are who they are. And, uh, you know, as long as Paul Johnson is there, I really wouldn't look for that, you know, look for that to, you know, to change. But a lot of people may wonder why Paul Johnson hasn't gone anywhere. Um, 
the Georgia Tech Athletic Department, they've gone through a lot of transition, and uh, a lot of their former coaches are still on the on the payroll. Remember Paul Hewitt? Remember their basketball coach? Yes. He's still on the he's still on the payroll, and uh, you know they're still like paying these guys off on these old contracts. So any contracts these guys have, they want them to use them up. So they're so they're they're working on a little different page right now. So Paul Johnson, as long as he wins his, you know seven, eight games a year, which it looks like they may have an opportunity to do this year. At least one seven games, hell, a seven to five record gets you to a ball game. Dwayne, listen, it, it has been a, just a pleasure and a joy to have you on with us um, and, and just sharing, you know, just knowledge of all kinds of sports all over, the, all across the board. We appreciate it. Well, listen, guys, I appreciate being on with you and Stevie B. I think what you guys are doing is is fantastic, and uh, I just encourage you guys uh, to keep doing what you're doing. But just a just a you know bit of word of advice: you guys could certainly get a lot bigger guests than me. <laughs> but but I do appreciate it. Dwayne, <laughs> you you had to be our first one. You absolutely had to be our first one. Okay, well, it's all up from here then. <laughs> <laughs> but we do we do appreciate it, and we look to have you back on again. So absolutely, you know, Dwayne, thank you so much, and all the best to your daughter. Hopefully, uh, she has a successful basketball career at uh, Duke. Ah, listen, guys, if you, if you want to check her out, Christina Girl Hoops TV, Christina Girl Hoops TV on YouTube, or if you just Google Christina Walker basketball, you can catch up with what she's doing. Excellent. Absolutely. We'll, we'll link some things on our website. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy.